Don't know if any of you are fans of the superhero films, but whether it be Superman or Spider-Man or some of the other Marvel heroes, the whole point, of course, in that film is often that that man or person with those superpowers uh, can do everything uh, that they're asked to do. They are able to avoid turn the world out from crises and they do it by their mighty powers and their abilities. They're able to outwit and outmuscle the enemy, whoever that may be. There are some people who live in the world as though they were a superhero, thinking that they can do absolutely anything. For them, there's no task too difficult. Nothing phases them. They think that by their own strength, they're able to succeed. They have a confidence, perhaps a too too high a supreme confidence, in their own ability. But they are going to come to that point someday when they realize they cannot do all that they think. They may be able to do many wonderful things, but at some point, they are going to need to depend on others. And when we translate this into the spiritual life, in particular, we know that we are to have no confidence in ourselves. In fact, as we turn to John chapter 15, we hear this word in our ears, apart from me, you can do nothing. And here's the reality that you and I need to be uh, coming to, to know and to realize. Our dependence and our help is in God and in Jesus Christ as Lord. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And that for some, that's quite a startling word. People think that they have certain abilities. They may be able to do all kinds of things for God. But here's the word of Jesus to them. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And while that, for some, may be a word they find hard to bear, for others, it is a word of great encouragement that we can rest for strength in the Lord Jesus. He is the one who will direct us. And this morning, I want to turn your attention to the text in verse 5 of this great chapter where Jesus speaks of himself as the vine and as us as the, the branches. The earlier verses that we read, he says, my father is the gardener. So God, the father, is the one who is there in the garden uh, watching over the vine. What is the vine? Well, Jesus himself says, I am the vine. And then where do we come? The people of God, his followers, are the branches of the vine. And, of course, there's another sermon in those earlier verses 1 to 4 about the cutting off of the branches and the pruning of the branches. But we're looking particularly at verse 5. I am the vine You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, 
he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we think about this text, I want us to notice, first of all, the picture here of the believer. Here is a picture of the believer, and it's a very clear symbol or picture that we're given. Jesus uh, looks to nature, to uh, something that would have been familiar to the Israel Uh, Israelites to the people in that area they knew about vineyards they knew about vines growing they knew how the gardener dressed the vine and did cut off branches and uh, pruned other branches and here he uses that picture and although you and I in our country aren't familiar with vines growing uh, unless you have a good uh, south facing wall and shelter in a greenhouse maybe a bit of heat sometimes, you're not liable to grow a vine. But we know about other fruit-bearing trees and we know the kind of picture that it is. We can think of any fruit-bearing tree and the same applies. For example, Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the stem or the main stalk or the, the trunk of the tree. I am the the one that has its roots down into the ground and brings up the nourishment and the food and then I deliver it to the branches. And what a wonderful picture it is because that's exactly the vine. The main stem is down into the soil and it works in the soil and feeds up through the trunk or the stem into the branches. All the nutrients and the food that is required. And that's the great picture for us. And he says, if I am the the vine with my roots down in and nourishing uh, things flowing out from me, you are the branches. You are, are my followers, are the branches. You're the ones who are being fed by me. All the nutrients that I am supplying. And we know how true that is in the garden with a fruit tree, whether it be an apple or a a vine or whatever, the branch needs to be connected to the main stem. Jesus says, I am the true vine. The true vine. There may be branches coming from some other bush or tree, but Jesus is speaking to his followers, I am the true vine. I am the one that matters. It's only if you are connected to me that you will be able to bear fruit. We are the branches. What an amazing thing it is to think that you and I are the branches. Paul speaks about the the Gentiles being grafted in to the vine. That we were wild branches and that's what we were. We were brought out of uh, people who were rebellious. And Paul says, grafted into this vine, into this bush. Israel, in some ways, were the natural branches, yet many of them were cut off because of their failure. They became, those who were truly his followers, became the true branches. And friends, there's something extremely important as we think about this picture of the believer that we need to note. And that is 
that if Jesus Christ is the vine and those whom he speaks to are his followers, then you must truly, in fact, be converted. You must be connected to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, by faith. You must have understood that he is the only Son of God, that he is the Redeemer. You must have embraced the reality that he, being fully obedient and with perfect obedience to the Father, suffered and died on the cross for your sin. You must have embraced the fact that he rose again to give you eternal life. That's how you become engrafted in it. It's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the true vine. And only when you become a branch in him grafted in by faith that can you truly produce the fruit that God the Father is looking for. Sometimes we might look out at the, a bush in the garden and maybe it's a flowering bush and we look at it and we think that's a lovely bush and whenever it's in full bloom or producing its fruit we can see it and it's looking very well but there's maybe one branch in it and it looks what's wrong. It, it looks, the leaf looks similar, the branch looks the same but it's not bearing any flowers. It's not producing any fruit. What's wrong? And only when you go closer you realize that in fact that branch is not connected to your bush at all. It's intertwined from another branch. In fact, from some kind of a sucker that is growing out of the ground looking similar but of no value at all. It is not in your bush. It's a different plant. It's a renegade plant. It needs to be cut out. And the gardener will go and cut it off and dig it out and get rid of it because it's not producing the flower or the fruit that he wants. And friends, that's the truth that Jesus is stating even in our text. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But you must be remaining in him. If a man remains in me and I in him. And so the word of God to you is, are you in Christ? Are you truly a branch belonging to Jesus by faith? Is he by his spirit dwelling in you? Are you at all connected? Or could it be that you're like some who have all the outward trappings of religiosity. They're like that branch in through your bush. They can look the same. They seem as though they are connected because they leaf in a similar way. But they're not connected. A person goes to church. A person does all the right things. A person can even speak about being in uh, Jesus without being truly trusting, depending on him alone. We need, if we're to bear the fruit that our Savior asks us to bear, we need to be connected to the bush. 
We need to be connected to the true vine. We need to be one of those branches. And this picture drives home the very point earlier. He's spoken about cutting off the branches that don't bear fruit because, well, there's something wrong with them. But if the branch is lying on the ground and unconnected, it's never going to bear fruit. It must be grafted in to bear the fruit of holiness. So there's a picture of the believer connected, a branch in Christ as Paul loves to talk about it, being in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing, trusting in him. Secondly, I want us to note here the produce of the believer. What are we meant to be doing? Well, it's to bear fruit. And as we've read through this chapter, that has come through on a number of occasions. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And in our text, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, He will bear much fruit only if he remains in me and I in him. And then later, speaks again about bearing fruit in verse 16. I chose you you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So what's the fruit, what's the produce that the believer is meant to bring forth? Well, it is the fruit of a holy life. It is the fruit of godliness. It's the fruit of a life lived in dependence upon Jesus and for him. And let us be absolutely clear on this. Every single human being brings forth fruit. You either bring forth fruit to the glory of God or you bring forth the fruit of sin and rebellion. You're either mirroring and honoring and growing to be like Christ and your godliness will begin to shine more and more or in fact you are producing wickedness, selfishness, and dishonor of God and think nothing of Him. Whenever you plant an apple tree, you expect to gain a crop of apples. When you're grafted into Christ, whenever you become a Christian, the fruit you are to bear is like Christ. It is to be Godly, holy, living. And so, when we come to Him, we are to be like Him. Purity of thought, righteousness should be in us. Or as Paul puts it, we are to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. And he talks about those in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as Paul adds at the end, against those things there is no law. For these are the fruit. And those should be ever more evident in the life of the believer. That's the, the produce of the soul of a man connected to Jesus as you feed upon Him, as those uh, holy thoughts that He should give to you as you come and are a branch in Christ, depending on His Word, you will live for Him. 
And that will show itself up in life. It will show itself up in society. What kind of neighbor are you? Do people know that you're someone who can be depended on to be caring and upright? What kind of person are you with regards to your dealings with other people? Are you self-controlled, gentle, loving, patient? That's the fruit that we're to look for. Are you humble in your own thinking, putting others before yourself and thinking of them well in all their ways? That's the fruit that we are to produce. The fruit of the righteousness of God. And we could see that working out whenever we think about the things that we are having to contend with today, whether that would be to do with morality in marriage or with life itself. What kind of fruit should we produce? Well, Christian marriages should be the fruit of of godliness. It should be the place where people look and say, well, here's what marriage is all about. Here is how people are to live together. Purity, undefiling the marriage bed, given to one another completely and wholly, without any other, between one man and one woman. And we need to stand for that. We need to voice that in our day and say, well, this is what it's about. This is our fruit. Or life, life from conception to the grave matters and is to be protected. God has given it and we are to uphold it and treasure it and be a concern for it. And so whenever debates and things arise, you are to come to that bearing fruit, the fruit of a spiritual godly disposition and bringing people to recognize There is a God in heaven and he desires holiness. All of us then who claim to be branches in Christ are to be honoring him. However, we realize how weak we are, how little strength you have and I have for that task. If we crown Jesus Christ on the throne of our hearts instead of ourselves, we very quickly realize that our old selfish nature is always angling to disrupt our fruit-bearing for God and to produce the fruit of darkness and death in sinfulness. That's why we come to think about the power of the believer. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The fruit of darkness and death that comes from the ungodly is our own selfish nature. And even when we're in Jesus Christ as Lord and seeking to serve him, how easily we feel him. And part of the reason is we are not looking to him. We're not depending on Him. When you go off to do something on your own strength, you will not produce the fruit as you ought. There may be a semblance of fruit. There may be some good. But it will not be as it ought to be. 
So think about this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a driving home. The reality that we need to remain in Jesus and he in us. Because without him, we're useless. If you awaken to that reality. You know, that's a thing that people find hard to understand. And even some believers don't quite grasp that truth that we are nothing without Christ. That we can do nothing or have no success really without Jesus. The ungodly will look and say, well, look what I can do. And they will show all the things that they're able to do in the world. But where are they before the living God? They're lost. They're dead in their sin. And they have not been able to do anything of any real value in eternal well-being. The the downcast believer might look at the way in which some unbeliever is getting on and feel well. Although they do not have Christ, they seem to be doing well enough materially in the world. They're healthy enough and they have a good job and they have all the success that they need. And it may well seem from a Christian perspective that the ungodly seem to be managing well. But friends, that's only in the narrow field of the here and now. What about eternity? What about the everlasting life? They have nothing. And all the efforts, all that they give to charity, all that they do, is worthless. They cannot earn themselves one step on a ladder uh, the rock to heaven. They can do nothing. And the same is absolutely true for you and me. By ourselves and on our own, we can do nothing. We cannot produce the fruit that ought to honor our God. So what Jesus speaks about here is that we must be dependent upon him. If you're not connected to Christ, you'll not be just fruit. Remember that uh, we are told that we are unclean. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us this. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. There's Isaiah the prophet talking about Israel, the people of God, all their righteousness, all their holy bearing. Filthy rags, worthless. And as people of ourselves, that's where we're at. We can do nothing. Even our very best intentions are marred by sin. They need the cleansing of Jesus Christ the Lord. And while we may be able to do many things for God and for Jesus, if we're not doing them in His strength, well, we'll be so full of ourselves it'll come to nothing. Friends, you need to count all our own abilities as rubbish, as worthless. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. 
And so as you think about Christ and that truth, you need to come to him. You need to do all with him. We can plan different events. We can be brilliantly organized. But the truth is that unless we have cried out to Jesus Christ as Lord, we'll get nowhere. We can put out leaflets. We can talk to people in the most straightforward and simple way that we can. But without Christ, we can do nothing. We can cast the seed of the word far and wide. But without Jesus, we can do nothing. That truth ought to encourage you. Indeed, it ought to drive you and me more and more to seek the presence and the blessing of Jesus Christ. You and I should be much more on our knees looking to God and praying, Father, hear me. Hear me as I pray for the souls of men and women. Hear me as we have spoken the word, as we have prepared, have arranged a meeting. Pray, Father, that people will come. Because without Him, it's worthless. I can't do anything. I cannot change your thinking apart from Jesus. So we need to pray that my life, that your life will be transformed by the power of the living God. So the one thing, the one thing that ought to be in our program and activities is praying and seeking with crying and fervent prayer to God that He will work. And yet, where are you? prayer meeting. Where do you go whenever we meet to cry out to God? We're going to come to a new year and I earnestly plead with you pray for the working of God. We have plenty of premises. There's work to be done but unless we pray to God to guide us, to show us and to lead us It'll be worthless. People may be concerned, where's our congregation going? It'll only go to the place that you pray for it to go to. In the power and in the might of the Holy God. We can do all kinds of good things, yes. But unless we have sought God and pleaded with Him, Lord, show us the way. Add people to our church. Have you prayed for a sinner who needs to be saved? We can do nothing unless Christ is in the midst. It's that power that we must depend upon. Remember, the prophet says it is not by might nor by power but by God's Spirit. And how are we to get that power of the Spirit? Only if we are in Christ feeding on Him and crying out for Him to be at work and us Therefore, by that grace that enabled to bear fruit in our own lives and in the lives of others as we teach and speak to them for the glory of God. 
The power of the living God is what will drive forth the kingdom of God and the work of God in my heart and in yours. So we need to cry out and pray to him. Here is a text to remember. This gives us a picture of the believer. Are you in Christ? Are you a branch truly believing in him? Feeding on him? Letting the word that is his word, the scriptures, course through your veins? Do you give time to that to feed upon it? To bear fruit? And what are you to produce? All kinds of fruits of righteousness and holiness and speaking to ungodly people, and the the fruit of the Spirit. May that be the produce that we see in the days to come. And how are we going to do it? Only by the power of the living Christ, as you trust and give yourself to Him. And so we need to be crying out for Him, Lord, we are worthless. I have no strength of my own. Empower me. Empower our congregation. May Balamani Town know that there are Christian people who are praying because we see godless people transformed because there's someone who's prayed for them and someone has spoken to them and the fruit of righteousness has told upon their lives. So as we finish the year, let us look forward to a year when the power of God is prayed for and at work in our lives. Let this ring in your ears. Apart from me, you can do nothing.